Welcome to The 30A Show, your beach-happy podcast produced in South Walton, Florida, just steps from the beach. Brought to you locally by Shunk Gully Oyster Bar at the corner of 393 and 30A. Let's get to it. Hey, everyone. This is Mike with The 30A Company. Um, We are, as you know, the beach-happy company. We're all about the beach, but we're also about happiness, finding happiness in your life. And one of the things we want to start doing is interviewing interesting people who have a unique or fresh perspective on happiness and how to cultivate it in your life or how to design the life that you want to live. And um, you know, we want to uh, take a moment to welcome Daniel Walker. Um, hello. Uh, hello. Uh, obviously, um, you and I have known each other a while, but I'm finding some things out about you, including the fact that you have a pretty adventurous side. So before we jump into all of that and tell people what you recently accomplished, how long have you been here at the beach? Um, just about 10 years. And where did you move from? Uh, I had a two-year stint in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, but I was a Georgia boy up until that point. All yeah. right. And I know you do real estate. Yep. Yeah. I work for uh, England Volkers, Global Real Estate. I'm a real estate broker, um, primarily selling uh, you know, luxury vacation rentals uh, yeah. along, along the coast. And have you always been in the real estate business, or was that no, new when you moved to the beach? It was new when I moved to the beach. Yep, yep. I had a. Uh, I was primary. I was in the financial services business before okay. that. So I worked for uh, Wachovia Bank. If you remember those guys, of course. So yeah, that was that was my primary employer. Um, and then I had a had a couple random um, small businesses before I came here. Before we get into you know the big adventure that you recently embarked on, what brought you to the beach? How did you How did you end up here? I was going through a divorce, uh, and um, we were here, me and my family were here for uh, my mom and dad, uh, anyway, and and, and brother and his girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, we were here for uh, Labor Day weekend, and um, basically just decided, like, you know what, screw it, I'm moving to the beach. So You know, it's amazing, really, and, you know, the whole focus of the Beach Happy Show is we really... It really at the end of the day is about happiness and that's mm-hmm. what we did i mean angel and i had four kids and we were kind of at a transitional point you know i'd had some businesses that had not done so well and so we were just ready to pull the eject cord mm-hmm. and you know i i think the way you just started your story is the way that i don't know what percent but i'd say probably 80 percent of the stories of the people who live here yeah. it's like you know one day i just said screw it i'm gonna head to the beach that's our happy place yeah and so how long did it take between the time you said screw it and the time you were here how long did that take labor days what early september and then i um i was here in october okay so I just very, what year was that that was 2000 the end of 2011 Okay. So yeah. Very similar story to ours. We, we yeah. got here in September and, and never looked back. Yeah. Uh, so one of the, uh, for, for uh, the listeners and viewers, um, you recently did something that was, seems to be a little, not out of character, but certainly a new endeavor for you. Uh, you sure climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I sure did. Yep. And are you a climber? Not really. The last couple of years, I've got some buddies that live out in, in Denver. Okay. And so um, two years ago, uh, we went and climbed Telluride, and then last year we climbed Boulder. So I was just starting to get into it. But this this trip was uh, was pure happenstance, like the right thing at the right time. Um, it was just a um, spur of the moment and, and definitely a um, impulse buy. So 
But this was on the heels of, and I, I've talked to a lot of people about 2019. 2019 was a rough year for a lot of people. It sounds like you had a particularly rough year. It was definitely the most difficult year I've ever had in my life. 17 and 18 were a little tough too, but 19 was just like, it was almost um, destructive. So it was, yeah. it, was, it was a hard, very, very difficult year. And I don't want to pry, but that said, um, I know you had like a rapid series. You know, they always say sometimes the bad things happens in threes. I think you had at least uh, three or four because you, you were changing jobs and going through relationships. And then also you had significant uh, deaths. Yeah, loss, a lot of loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was probably, I think it was six or seven. I don't, I mean, I have to go through, go through them, but it was, it was, uh, it was just starting at the end at the tail end of 2000. Let's not even talk about Hurricane Michael and the, yeah, and sure. the stress that caused. You know, that's everybody encountered that. Yeah, but, yeah it was. Um, but yeah, a lot of loss um, and um, a lot of stress and I guess the anxiety, which you know that comes from stress and the depression that can come from the anxiety. So it was uh, building all throughout the year. Um, so you, you were in a relationship um, uh, with, with someone and you, then you found out your father, he had been diagnosed with cancer numerous times and had been fighting it for how long? He had been, he had, this was his, his 10th bout of cancer since wow. 2003. So wow. he, um, it was one of those situations where, you know, he get diagnosed, he'd go to treatment the year after he was clean, year two, it was bad um, every single time. What kind of cancer? Uh, this started out in 2003 with thyroid. Um, and then the, um, this was a combination of thyroid and something he had in his lung. I don't remember exactly what it's called. I'm sorry. But um, this one was terminal, this, this go round. So okay. early in the year because uh, it was on his carotid artery. Okay. And Mayo Clinic was, um, all their specialists uh, were all afraid to work on it. They thought that the, uh, um, the risk was much greater than the reward. Okay. So, How old was he when he passed away? 69. 69. Too young. Yep. Yeah. Sure was. So you had business changes. <clears throat> you had your father who, from what I understand, was really your best friend. You know, For sure. Um, yeah. and, but then you had another friend also pass away. Yeah, and that was later in 2019. My father passed away August 5th, and that's kind of leading into the story of, of how I booked the trip. But yeah, I had a, um, one of my best friends actually died from a, a – he was one of those people that died from a vapor cigarette. And, uh, what? Yes. How, how does um, that happen? It, it, I, I guess, yeah, I'm not real sure. All I know is that it caused him to have a, um, a lung, um, lung failure. And, um, and he's only 40 years old. So, um, but, you know, there's a, apparently he told his parents he wasn't feeling good and he passed out. And next thing you know, he's on ventilators and everything. And he lasted about four or five days in the hospital. And this was someone you grew up with? Uh, I grew up with this guy, went to elementary school with him, went to Sunday school with him. He, uh, he was my first roommate in college, you know, mm -hmm. so he went to college, Georgia Southern with me. He just died way too young. But, you know, and then my, um, you know, I had another friend, my closest friend in my entire life. Also, my other roommate that moved to Georgia Southern with me. You know, he, I lost him in a different way. He kind of had a, um, a breakdown mm -hmm. and had to be, had to be sent off. And with everything that was going on in my life at the time, you know, which is a lot to tell, um, he, uh, he, he needed me and I really couldn't be there for him as well because of the protection of, uh, the girl I was dating kids. Mm -hmm. Um, she, mm -hmm. it, uh, he was kind of, he, he battled, um, uh, bipolar schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was hereditary with him. And, um, and it just happened to happen in the midst of the most uh, mm -hmm. 
stressful, stressful year I've had. Yeah. yeah. So your father passes away, and based on what you and I spoke about earlier, you were actually probably more prepared for it than you thought because this has been something you've been probably contemplating for a decade. Yeah. Well, you know, when he came back from Mayo, um, he went in home hospice and they gave him three to six months to live. And we were, me and my brother rotated weeks, almost every week we would rotate a week to go spend time with dad and give my mom a breather, let her step out of the house. Cause mm -hmm. she was basically the, the you know, the, his, his caregiver. So that was uh, that was a challenge where we were doing that. Um, shoot, I guess it was from late February until he passed in, in August, August 5th. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, along that during that time is when my, you know, uh, my, my best friend had his breakdown. He's better now. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and, you know, I also had a loss, you know, my, 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 my girlfriend at the time was, you know, not just my business partner, but, you know, we, we actually, um, found out we were pregnant. So mm -hmm. we got like, you know, really, really excited about that. Um, and, uh, but I was, I was going a lot. I was going a lot. And then when I was home, I think it was just a stressful environment because we were working together and I'm sure. shouting out. Who knows? Uh, uh, I'm very impressed that she was able to last that long with me. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, uh, we ended up losing the baby and then she, you know, she decided she wanted to pursue the relationship and the, and the, um, the, 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 my partnership split up. So I was kind of starting over. So it was just, it was a lot of things going on a lot of negative things going on at the same time, a lot of stressors, you know, but to answer your question about my dad, he was in home hospice for so long until August 5th that it, um, my expectations of when he passed away, uh, were not met. Like I thought, okay, this is my best friend. I'm going to be, you know, locked in a bedroom for days. I'm like, this is going to be the, the, uh, tragic. And, it, and, you know, of course I sobbed and stuff, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I was like, okay, he's in a better place. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe we were in, we were dealing with this so long that unlike someone who's surprised by a loved one that they lost, you know, maybe sure. it's just not that bad. Maybe I was more prepared. Mm -hmm. um, but in a nutshell, it was there. I just didn't know it was there at the time. So not to, you know, re recap everything, but, I mean, you, you had a partnership a relationship that, that dissolved. You lost a child um, that was on the way. You lost your father. You lost a friend. You had other friends in the middle of stress. And then something happened. So obviously a horrific, horrific year by any standards. And then you see an ad. Mm -hmm. Where do you see this ad and what is the ad for? Well, and, and the, year, the year progressively got bad, but August 5th, my father passed, right? Um, I was at home at our home. I was at my mother's house in her spare bedroom. I remember I was laying, um, laying on the bed, checking some emails and looking at Facebook. And I saw a Facebook advertisement out of nowhere for mountains and marathons is what it was called. And it was a six month leadership training slash, um, emotional health training program that eclipsed and ended with a climb of the third highest climbable mountain in the world. I mentioned that I've been to uh, Telluride and Boulder, right? So I knew I loved it. I knew that that was an experience. I also had been to several go uh, excursions that involved leadership training before. Um, so I knew that it would be good for me. And being two days after my dad died, I was sitting there like, okay, this is bound to get worse. It's probably good to have someone to 
bent to and to, um, and who knows how much worse, but someone, you know, uh, someone to talk to, um, and maybe even a group of strangers to talk to. And, um, uh, so you book this online? Yeah, that's what I meant by impulse buy. I saw the advertisement. I probably thought about it for like three hours. I hit the enter button to inquire. I had an interview the next day. Um, they were starting. This is like on a Friday or something. Um, towards the end of the week, they were starting the upcoming Monday, and I'm like, guys, I still got to bury my dad. I'm, I'm not ready. So they allowed me to start a week late. So extremely spontaneous. Yes. And at the time, your friend hadn't even gone through yet. You know. His, his issue. So you're kind of in the middle of this. Well, my friend had, but okay. my, my friend that passed away from the, from the e-cigarette had not. Okay. He passed away I believe, in October. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You booked this trip and you, uh, you booked it basically five, six months in advance of actually Correct. going? Mm-hmm. We, uh, we were set to, uh, the climb was going to start January 17th. And how many people are in this, this virtual group? Include, including the two, um, Organizers, leaders of the group, people, the business owners um, uh, that kind of started the Mountains and Marathons group, there was eight of us total. So six newbies and um, two with experience. So mountains and marathons, is that is is it literally marathons or is that a symbolic of, of the challenges, the long distance? The business has not been, it's been around I think two years now, two, okay. maybe three. Um, and they, mountains are included. Um, and marathons are okay. different aspects of the same, right? Just different like, around the world. So tell me a little bit about the months where you're now you, you've, you've committed, you've signed up and what's happening online with these guys. Like what are your mm-hmm. sessions for like sure. a better word? Like, um, I would have a, uh, individual coaching session once a week. Okay. That was usually, uh, later in the afternoon. Um, and then we would have a team, um, our group team, whatever you want to call it, session uh, with the the six you know newbies that were there with on the call. Um, that was at five thirty every Thursday morning because we had um, different time zones. Three of us were from the U.S. Yeah, so three three from the U.S., a couple from Australia, and one from Dubai. And as you interacted with these other soon to be partners in this track, um, had they experienced? similar losses or, or things in their life, or was this just something that they were passionate about doing? Almost every, there were definitely some that had had a, had a, had a very rough 19 like I had, um, but there were some, there was a couple that just needed to find their place and find their purpose. And they were just like, um, I want this adventure. I want this challenge and I'm hoping to come back a changed person. So. All right. So that's not a lot of time. Obviously you've already, made a couple of ascents, you know, and tell you ride, et cetera, that, you know, vaguely, you know, what to expect. That said, um, the months are, are, are getting closer. Are you doing any sort of oh, yeah. training or preparation? And if so, what is that? The program also came with the, the, the fee that was paid also included a, uh, a virtual, uh, personal trainer that I also had a call with, uh, um, in, I'm in a um, virtual meeting with, uh, once a week and a nutritionist for once a week. Um, and that included, I basically, I cheated, I won't lie, I cheated quite, especially during the holidays, <laughs> but I, I became a whole foods plant-based diet. Uh, that's what I started exercising. And um, so I pretty much eliminated meat. Starting when, say? Um, week three in the program. Okay, so october <laughs> Almost six full months, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, no, no, September, uh, September early yeah. September. 
Um, actually, maybe late August. But, um, and so you went away. without meat for the most part between September and all the way through, or uh, just like the holidays or old Thanksgiving. I ate, what, I, ate, <laughs> I, ate, I ate I ate the ham and I ate the turkey and I ate the rest of the week for sure. You know, I love my sushi and I love my bone and ribeye. So sure. I, I would cheat. Maybe I'd probably eat meat no more than three or four times a month. And how did your body? react to that like how did you do because you're seeing an increasing number of people including professional athletes mm -hmm. and health professionals move to a to a, a vegetarian yeah. diet i mean like how did you how did you fare um it was much easier than i thought um i actually uh started doing a you know, food delivery um i was using um hello fresh they've okay. got a vegetarian option um and the food's great and so it's delivered and you've Got everything you need That's to prepare. Right. Yeah, and then I started. I, I I got very fond of juicing, so I was I was doing a smoothie in the morning and, and juicing in the afternoon for lunch, and then I was usually eating a hell of fresh day. So what in the evening? So it really wasn't nearly as difficult as I thought, you know. And I definitely I I, I felt good after eating too. It's a different kind of if you haven't experienced it. It's a, it's a different kind of full. It's mm -hmm. not heavy bloated. I eat too much and need to take a nap. You know what I'm saying? You're not lethargic. Yeah. That's what I hate because I love food. Uh, I don't want to feel hungry, but I find that when I am left, I, I was kind of raised to eat everything on your plate. Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful, noble thing, but I also think it's a curse, you know, because I will literally not just eat everything on my plate, even if I'm not hungry, I will eat everything. And then if there's something left on, Angela's plate or one of the kids' mm -hmm. plates. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. Sure. You know? And so I, 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 I don't, yeah, I don't eat, you know, until I'm full. I eat until there's just nothing left. Yeah. And, uh, you know. So you're going through this change in diet, change in, you know, presumably exercise routine. What about your state of mind? I mean, you obviously had this one more friend who passed away. Is it getting better or worse or the same? I was staying so busy um, just trying to, to keep my real estate business afloat and I, I, heading out of town on short periods for short trips and stuff like that. I was just staying so busy that, that, that it felt like I was okay. Um, but I, uh, I, I found out later that it really wasn't. Um, when when did you start to realize that? It was around October. It was after, you know, um, around the time that Joey passed, my buddy Joey. And um, um, I just noticed that I was, uh, I started getting, I started getting a little, uh, a little depressed. I guess mm -hmm. enough time, a couple, two or three months ago, gone by since dad died. And I was starting to get a little depressed, um, starting to get a little unsettled. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, I noticed that in retrospect, I see now, um, I started drinking too much. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily drinking too frequently. Um, I mean, I had a mountain to climb and I had, a sure. I had a nutritionist that I had to report to and report if I was drinking or not. And the leaders of the mountains and marathons group were also encouraging me to cut that back and cut back a lot of bad habits, um, that I might've had. But when I did drink maybe two or three, maybe, maybe once a week I was drinking heavy you know I was yeah. drinking too much yeah. sure so um and uh and you know I, I had a couple you know episodes that uh uh regret and became ashamed of and sure and so that kind of built like well what happened was it was like it was i made a couple mistakes and i got down about those mistakes mm -hmm. started beating myself up i guess it all started snowballing and then literally like the 
the, the holidays came and the loss was like just so apparent and so in front of me, it was all I could think about. Yeah. And your mother's still alive. My mom's still alive. Yeah. Okay. And they were married for a long uh, time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they yeah. they were like, this is not a second. They were yeah. high school sweethearts. Okay. High school sweethearts. Yes. As we see sometimes <clears throat> in that generation. So holidays have settled in. You've lost another friend and you have this looming pinnacle, um, you know, figuratively and literally that, mm -hmm. that is, is, coming up pretty fast in your life. So you've gotten through Christmas now. Mm -hmm. You've gotten the new year. When do you leave for the big trip? January 15th. Okay. So you've got, you're now two weeks out. Mm -hmm. All right. You've got the holidays behind you. Are you nervous? Are you, what, what are you thinking? At this point? You know, I didn't, I was so busy and I wasn't real. I, I was so, I was so busy and focused on staying busy in my mind. Um, that I didn't really do a lot of research for the trip. So I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't want to psych myself out. And um, I didn't do any research to the week before, matter of fact. But my mind state was about as low as I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, I'm, I'm a little, it's not easy talking about this because it's sure. showing an extreme amount of vulnerability, but um, it, um, it just got to the lowest point. I've ever been in my life. I'd so that was after, even after the holidays. That was, that was, that before was you've left on the trip. Through the holidays, getting progressively worse every day. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I, the, I was just, I literally was like, okay, I'm about to have the trip of a lifetime in less than three weeks. I was like, just, you, you, can, you can get by. And so I just, I kind of, I, um, I, I got back on the train with the nutrition and uh, the, 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 the training because the holidays, you know, I was sure. eating way too much and everything that comes with the holidays. And, uh, but that might've had something to do with me getting down too, is I stopped, uh, I stopped my, my routine, Regimen. my regimen. Sure. Yeah. But anyway, um, I got really down and out and, uh, um, really the only thing on my mind was taking this trip. Okay. So you're kind of at the darkest stage of all of this. Ironically, six months after, you know, some of the big events had transpired, and you've got a plane ticket mm -hmm. and are you as a group are you guys all meeting there and we, where are you flying into? We're, we're all staying in tanzania okay Africa. yeah and uh, i got there a day early it was a 24 hour like just under 24 hour flight um and i didn't know what i was doing i'd never taken a flight that long before in my life so i got there a day before anybody so i had some time to myself i actually explored the town of moshi uh, so tell me t what's that like you've never been to africa um, before I assume, uh, and Never. you are now in this extremely exotic location. What is that alone time before the rest of the group arrives? What is that like as you're kind of walking around or, or driving around this town? At first I feel like I'm walking on the eggshells. I'm a little bit nervous and, uh, um, I, I go explore the town. I, one of the guys that was going to take us hiking, I said, hey, man, I got a day to kill. Can I, can I see the town? So he showed me the, the family that raised him and the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the town. It's a very, it's a, it's a very um, third world uh, town, Moshi is. And um, 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 so I, I explored that. So it was, it was, it was eye-opening, and it was kind of a, like a uh, – it was – a breathtaking moment even before we climbed the mountain just seeing the way these people live and, and me 
finally realizing the step that I had taken to improve myself. It was just kind of like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm literally walking around the streets of Africa. Um, it was a little, a tad bit overwhelming. You know, you know I've, I've kind of found that when we go to places, it doesn't have to be, it's nothing about third world or, or poverty or anything like that, but you do begin to realize and appreciate um, that suffering is something that everybody experiences. I mean, mm -hmm. no one escapes the death of, of family members and friends. No one escapes health issues. Um, and, you know, when you go and you see how other people live, um, you know, it, it is a, a, an often a refreshing reminder of priorities mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, gratitude, Yeah. you know? So I think that, um, I always encourage people to travel, you know, because I'm never happier personally, I think, than when I'm in a slightly alien situation where I'm having to really think, okay, I've got to pay attention to cross the street. That's I've got right. to pay attention to, to this signage that I can't decipher. You know, it's, it's being present. And I think that yep. we've kind of learned that being present psychologically helps people um, you know, because when you're not present, you're thinking too much, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're worrying, yeah. you're contemplating, Oh, what did I do wrong? Or, Oh, I wish I had said this or, you know, but when you're present, you're focused on whatever it is. And I find mm -hmm. that when I'm in an exotic place like that, that I can't help but be present. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, so tell me, um, you're, you're exploring this town and I say town, is it a city? Is it a town? It's a, it's a, it's a city. Um, yeah, it's a city, but it's, um, it's pretty much the only city in Africa I saw. So I can't really compare it to much, but yeah. Describe to me walking like that night. Are you kind of by yourself? Um, like going out and finding a restaurant or are you walking around looking for a place to have a beer? What are you doing? Well, um, well we were, it was, a, it was a day, it was a day trip. Mm -hmm. Um, we, um, we started off going to a couple, um, souvenir slash art stores you know what okay. i mean and uh, and then he took me to uh to see the the lady who raised him he calls mama obviously raised him as a little kid um and she had a, a homemade oven made out of clay outside and they were eating fish that were about four inches long that they had caught in the river and it made me just realize like you know little fish like that that we don't even consider eating yeah, these people are surviving on fish, yes. yeah. they're, they're they're surviving on this and um so it was awesome it was moving like you said it was it was it was eye-opening and, and it, it made you grateful for what you do have mm -hmm. um he also then he took me downtown to the city where the market was and these are people selling their crops their um this is people selling goods um homemade uh clothing and jewelry and everything and it makes your head spin. I was walking through there and I'm the only Caucasian person there. Sure, sure. And, um, and I'm getting hit from all angles with, with street vendors and stuff, but it was just so, it was so awesome. You know, they, if you smile, they smile back. Of course. I learned, uh, Mambo and Jumbo. Uh, <laughs> Mambo is kind of like, uh, a little more proper. Jumbo is more like a what's up. And, um, and so, that's all. That's the only word I needed to know. At the I've, time. I've learned that if you take the effort and you try to learn a few phrases, and, and it can be nothing more than "hello," "thank you," "please," you know, yeah. it, it it endears that's right. know, people to you. Yeah, they know you're trying. So the next day, uh, you finally meet these people that mm -hmm. you've been in 
virtual communication with for six months. So tell me about the people who you all of a sudden find yourself sitting with. Uh, it was a, it was a, a very diverse group. Um, guy from uh, Dallas, a uh, girl from Wisconsin, um, lady from South Florida. I mean, I think I told it said I mentioned Dubai and, um, and, uh, and other three were from Australia. All there from different times. I mean, it was just, but it was an instant connection because of the six months we had been through. They've been through the same training and the same nutrition that I'd been mm-hmm. through for the most part. If they were overweight or they had some sort of physical ailment, they tweaked it. But um, we had all been through the same assignments for our leadership training and our emotional health training and stuff like that, which which consisted of a lot of things. I mean, it was, um, you know, relationship clearing was one and, and, and there's still some of that I got to do, but it's like, you know, um, just clearing, basically just like it sounds, clearing the air with some, maybe some rocky relationships or something. Which is, is one of them. Is there somebody, you know, in the group that you kind of resonated with and thought, you know, like, it, or was it just kind of everybody's all, all on the same team or did well, you find yourself kind of finding somebody, that, you know, was on the same wavelength not at first um at first it was it was we're complete strange i mean we were, we were getting to know each other on our on a personal level it wasn't so much part of the program like the first day we had three different meetings round tables we were sitting outside with a great view of kilimanjaro and this uh snow-capped top in the distance you know it was great and we were like all right we're climbing that thing tomorrow so um um and we were just getting to know each other and I did make really good friends with Osama, the guy from Dubai. He was my tent mate. So mm-hmm. we got to know each other. He's a, like a 27-year-old guy that runs marathons around the world for a living. Um, well, not for a living, but like as a passion. at least a week a month. Yeah, mm-hmm. passion. Um, but um, at those roundtables is when I realized for the first time how much built up like, pain I had inside of me. Is this something that other people are expressing as well? I mean, so this is in some ways a little bit of a therapy session kind of going on for you guys as well. It started out with us wanting to, you know, to, 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 to discuss with the group publicly why we came, what challenges we have encountered in the recent past. Um, and after that, I mean, that's, that's everybody, everybody kind of teared up. Yeah. I sure. actually yeah. did a lot more than teared up though. Yeah. So it was very weird. So you had an emotional release. I was pent up. I started talking about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I brought up everything, but then when I started talking about dad in particular, I just started like, yeah, just heavy weeping and um, to the point where it was hard to talk. I even, but I love what they did. I, I tried to pass the conversation to the next person sitting beside me to my right. And they were like, no, keep going. And so for about a good 10 minutes, I'm sitting there explaining myself, you know that's the one of the things that I, I mean I grew up you said you grew up in rural Georgia I grew up mm-hmm. in rural Alabama you know I mean we are definitely kind of taught uh, mm-hmm. not you know intentionally but I mean to oppress that mm-hmm. stuff and there is a price for oppressing for <laughs> you know sure. there is a there is an emotional uh, price we all pay mm-hmm. um, for that and I think it shaves years off of our life you know and, and one of the things I think, I don't know how old you are, but as we get older, um, we start to realize that probably not the healthiest thing in the world to kind of bottle all that stuff up. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that moments like that remind us of the importance of talking, you know, and, uh, you know, 
too many people go to the grave um, prematurely because they don't, you mm-hmm. know, they don't talk and they don't voice it. So, you know, for, for people who are experiencing trauma and, and profound depression and sadness, um, you know, it's something I've struggled with my whole life. I know it's something that my family, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I won't say it. I don't know that it's exclusively hereditary, but certainly it, it, it is something that my family struggles with as well. And what I've kind of found is that there's a consolation, you know, that you get when you realize that that's just normal, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. is normal for us to, you know, and I, and I tell my own kids, you know, at the end of the day, the struggle is why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, without getting too philosophical, religious, but it's like, you know, whatever problem, it's like a video game, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it, the video game would not be any fun if you just blew through it and then right. you, you beat the level and it's like game yeah. over, you'd feel ripped off. The reality is the challenges, the getting knocked on our ass over and over and over um, and getting stronger and smarter is ultimately why we're here. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get through that first level and you think, oh, I beat the level. And then it's like, wait a minute, there's a whole nother harder level, yeah, you know, right, right there. Yeah. And so I, I really think that it is something that things like this that you're, you, you've taken on, um, more people should do it. More people should have that moment where they just push the eject button. Just like when we did, we moved to the beach, just like you did when you had profound loss. I mean, you did something radically different. So tell me you guys now you've got to know each other. You've had your, your moment where you're all kind of explaining uh, how you got there. The day comes where it's time to start ascending mm-hmm. this, what is what the third highest climbable, climbable, mountain. climbable yeah. mountain in the world. It's the highest mountain in Africa. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what that day is like and, and how long from the day, from the moment you start to say, okay, I'm putting my hiking boots on and we're doing this. How long is it from that moment to the moment you're at the peak for, for like, is that what? At, at the top of the summit? Yeah. Um, so how many days? It was a, uh, it was a five and a half day climb. Mm-hmm. We took, we, we took the Machami trail. Um, again, I didn't do, I didn't do a lot of research, but come to find <laughs> out that's the most challenging and most difficult path to take. Okay. Um, I found that out day one. <laughs> so from the, from the guides, um, should have read the brochure, right? maybe a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, we get there and the guides are there. Um, and there's a bunch of guide companies. That's, that's the Kilimanjaro is the Kilimanjaro and Safari is the primary source sure. of income for people in that area. And, um, that we had a guide per person and then an extra. So we had nine guides. Um, we also had, so you have someone who's kind of assigned, to just help you to, to, to mentally keep you in check. That's to, right. To, okay. They, these people have, uh, uh, some of, some of them, some of them have been guides a lot longer than others. There was, there was one guy that, you know, has been climbing. He's like 50 years old. He's been climbing the mountains since he was like a teenager. So he knows it backwards and forwards. There's certain people just like we have down here. There's certain people that are experts and there's people that they're like, you know, my group was called Africa Biza. Africa Biza was led by a guy who didn't have a lot of mountain experience, but he brought in the best experts that own their own business as well. They own their own smaller guide service, but they came and worked for him because the business was there. And we also had a cook um, to cook vegetarian meals, obviously the whole time. Um, and then we had about 20 to 20 to 30. I don't know the exact number of what they call porters. 
Porters are kind of the low man on the totem pole, unfortunately, because they did the hardest amount of work. They, they're, carrying the- they're carrying the weight on their heads, balancing on their shoulders. Um, the guides have on field backpacks for sure, but the porters have on field backpacks and a bunch of other stuff, tent equipment, everything. And to be a guide, you have to start off as a porter. So you have to have some climbs in your belt and you've got to go to guide school, which amongst other things includes uh, first aid and um, English. So you've got to kind of, and it's a $400 trip. One of the things that our group did, there was one porter who did a lot more. He also helped serve food and everything like that. He's been a porter for like four years and the, the, the cost of the school is only $400, but for four but, years, he's been trying to do it. We all pitched in 50 bucks a piece and we're going to send him to school. So dude, he had to be a guide. So that's epic. Yeah, we were pretty, we were pretty happy about that. He deserved every Was he blown away? Oh yeah. He tried. He was tearing up. It was awesome. I mean, I guess he, he could work on his English. Sure. Uh, you know, but that's why he's going to school. So, so over the course of these days, as you're ascending the mountain, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the scenery, the, yep. the change in scenery. I mean, what do you what are you seeing day one, day two? Okay, there's a drastic difference in altitude, right? So we started off in shorts and t-shirts, ended up with I had on um, two layers of thermals, a fleece, wow. and you know what I mean. It's okay. snow, snow skiing pants, everything. The, as the altitudes change, the environment changes, landscape changes. So the first the first day to, to the night where we found our camp was walking up tropical rainforest. It was a path. And, you know, a lot of people have taken this path. So um, there were almost steps that the steps were sure. made by tree roots that ran across the trail that had been padded down because again, this trail is not, this trail's up. So it's like people would over the decades it formed natural steps in the, in the dirt. Um, so it was um, the first stop was, uh, was through the tropical rainforest. Um, the next day we went through what was more like a, there were still some some vegetation, different kinds of vegetation out there, like cactuses and things like that. It was more like a more like a desert, like a high desert. And then day three was more like a gravel field, but with boulders as well. Like so you're starting to get above the tree line a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And these are made of lava. Um, apparently, Kilimanjaro used to be an active, you know, long time ago, prehistoric days. It was an active volcano, so all the rocks were made of old lava. Before you get to day sure. four, so what's morale like in the group? At okay, this point? I'm glad you asked. Um, day one is is everyone's just kind of pumped. You know, at first we're going up the mountain. By the time we got to camp, we we're already to pass out and drop. Um, day two was pretty good. It was one of only two of the seven days that we weren't getting stormed stormed on. Um, which is a, something I can oh wow no yeah, good it rained on us five or seven days. One day it rained for about two hours hell um hell it was hell and i've never seen anything like that i'm from georgia where it doesn't really hell. right, right. Uh, but this was like a ice storm just like it looked like someone had cut on an ice machine or a, a soft ice machine it was shoot um it was just shooting it all over the place and uh it was challenging um in terms of walking in that kind of uh climate or you know with that kind of that kind of weather the whole time um, so what's the outside temperature like at this um Day well, I'm not really sure. Uh, I can tell you this: day two, I wasn't wearing shorts anymore. I was wearing a uh, uh, a long sleeve shirt and a pair of uh, like running pants. So okay. It was a little windy. Day three, I had on um, heavier pair of pants, mm-hmm. and I was wearing a fleece. And I think 
Um, and they, they, they measure, you know, they're, they're Celsius, not Fahrenheit. So that made it a little more complicated. Sure. Too. Um, are you seeing wildlife or is it pretty barren? It's pretty barren. After we left the rainforest, um, we didn't really see anything, a couple of mice, a couple and, and birds, but there were, there was not really any wildlife. All right. So morale day three, day four. Um, it's obviously you're getting thinner oxygen. Oh yeah. Um, and I have to suspect that fatigue is setting in mentally and physically. <laughs> day three is when everybody got kind of, it was, it was a, it was a bad day. It was raining on us. Um, it was, um, it was not a very technical climb. It was on the desert part. Mm -hmm. Um, and because it's raining, you know, you're, it's, because it's pouring down rain and you got your, your rain jacket on, um, you're obviously like kind of looking down at your steps. And so I, I had a, the third day was my hardest day. They said day one or day two. Day, day one and the last day, I should say, are the hardest physical days. Day three was my hardest mental challenge. Um, I, it was starting to get to me being up in the mountain. No showers, um, strange diet. Um, it was porridge and things like that nature. Soreness, tweaking joints, everything that comes with that. It was just, it, it, it was starting to wear on me. and. Um, and I started having a lot of like negative thoughts on that trail. They actually did not want us to listen to headphones. They had a Bluetooth speaker. They wanted us to be present and they wanted us to communicate. I was having such a hard day that day that I had to tell them, I was like, guys, I'm going to put in my headphones and I'm going to listen to my meditation music or I'm not going to be somebody that you want to be walking with right now. And so why would they, so what would, I mean, because I would think listening to music would be something so was there a particular reason behind that? They do want the team communication. Is they did. They want us. They want us to, to, you know, to, to to just communicate with each other and get to know each other. And we were listening to music. It's just the uh, Jamie, one of the guys, had a little Bluetooth speaker playing outside. We were all listening to the same thing. We listened to Africa. So typically, about what time it. in the mornings are you guys getting started? Um, it really it depended on the, the climb. There were some climbs that were straight vertical, like five or six hour climbs, and there were climbs that were about eleven or twelve hours that were a little more horizontal, kind of going around the mountain. Um, put it this way: the mountain is about, I think, I think, three point six miles high, um, but we ended, we were we hiked uh, about forty miles total there and back. So uh, day. Three is your toughest day. Mm -hmm. Are others experiencing similar yeah. Um, yeah, was, issues? Yeah, it was. That was the that was the middle day. That was the day that every the middle challenge stepped in about. Okay, you're 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 working really hard. You know, your body's taking a beating, and 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 you start. That you, I think just about everybody, because um, we all we all had dinner. We all had shared all of our meals, and we talked. We we. Um, we did what we call check-ins, which is how am I feeling? How did, how did the day go? And we shared. It was just about sharing. Being honest. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, um, and everybody, the third day was very hard for mentally the, 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 the biggest test of the entire time. All right. So fourth day, you feel like maybe you've gotten like you have a, a second wind, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you're, are you experiencing the effects of the altitude not yet we took we took out two medication okay. um it was like we had a list of packing lists and medication we had to get malaria uh, malaria vaccinations all our vaccinations but we had to carry with us uh altitude sickness um medication um but that day was the fourth day was the better day because it, it took our mind off of things we weren't just staring at the trail walking at a snail's pace by the way you had to walk extremely slow imagine this 
taking a step, counting one Mississippi before you took the next step. Okay. That's how slow. So they're pacing you. Absolutely. So we would not have altitude sickness. It was like very slow. If we started walking too fast, they would say, come back. The guys would. They're like, nope. I'm one of those guys I experience uh, a lot of times headaches. Mm -hmm. and, and that's prevented me from doing some things like that, that it's like I've been scared. Like, boy, I don't want to have a headache for mm -hmm. 10 days sure. straight. So I've been... Um, but I'm very inspired by the story. So I'm going to, uh, but, but we're there. Anybody in the group starting to show real signs of physical or mental fatigue? Not yet. Not on the Okay. So we're on, so the fourth day now we're getting real serious. We're getting to the fifth day. Yeah. The, the, the fourth day was on the, on the fourth day, which is, um, um, you started seeing some, 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 a couple of people in the group having some physical ailments, some, some, a lot, a lot more rest breaks being taken um, on the trail. And, and, and now, is this an age or <clears throat> fitness thing, or is it? In other words, and I'm not. I'm just asking: Are like, these older people? Are they, they uh, perhaps overweight, or is it just that? Yeah. Or, or was it a combination? Or was it just random? They were both a, a little overweight, but they, um, you know, had been practicing and training for six months too. So I'm not going to hold that against. Of course, them, sure. But no, they, we're all we're all a little overweight. You're right. <laughs> and um, it was just because sure. the, the, the physical pain was starting up. You're well, and I think, that, you know, the mountain and the marathon, you know, kind of works there because I think, you know, really when you hit that 20th mile, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's, that's what separates, you know, yeah. uh, the people who are going to be able to see it through in some cases, right. you know, because your body physically just starts to break down it does. at some point. Yeah. And that so, day was more challenging. Like I like that day more than day three. Some people hated it, but day four was technical. Day four was a lot more rock climbing. So instead of me, uh, you know, overthinking and, and getting and, and letting my mind take control. My mind was thinking, okay, where am I going to place my foot? Where am I, what rock am I? Because you're being present. Right. Exactly. But, uh, and forgive me if I misunderstood this, but you kind of are afraid of heights. I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> I always have been. Before you're climbing the, you know, the third largest mountain in the yeah. world, uh, you know, you might want to. And so tell me about that because I recognize that, you know, you can be in Yellowstone and you can be, at a certain uh, altitude and not even really perceive it just because of the relative height of everything around you. Sure. But in this case, you are walking along some cliff edges. Day five is what they call um, uh, uh, um, lava canyon. And so we are walking, we're heading up to the summit, um, day and a half away, or, and uh, we're walking on the edge of a canyon. So that's when it gets, I mean, I was still wasn't scared. It was still, Michael, it's still some of the most beautiful views you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but there was this one stretch that I would, this is the one thing I took from that week of prep, the week of, uh, studying about the trip. Um, before I left, uh, they had this thing called kissing rock. This, this, it was only about a 10 yard stretch of rock, um, where you walked along this path that was about just under two feet wide. So okay. between you and a rock that you're basically hugging at a 500 foot drop. Holy cow. And I was so terrified. I, and all I did the night before, I told the guys, I'm like, I'm afraid of heights. They immediately made a decision they were going to carry my backpack across for me. So, so I knew it was a big deal. So 10 yards, that sound very long. It's really only about four to five sideways strides, you know. But still, I mean, that, up there in the wind. Yes. And, 
So is the wind howling? It's 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 blowing it up. My my, my jackets were 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 uh, flat. That's what make would make me nervous. Yeah. I think is the feeling that there'd be all of a sudden some random gust, <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, "There goes Mike." Yeah. Bye bye. But it was it was tough. Uh, one of the guides uh, stood about halfway with me, and and uh, um, and helped walk me through it. But you know, I did it. Everybody did it. But sure. you know, with me, my fear of heights actually a little bit of a, a cry afterwards. It was so sure. it was so exhilarating, um, and uh, it, it, I mean, I, you know, my worry when I looked at it, when I saw it, and everybody was going in front of me, I'm like, I might pass out and just fall down the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, I might not make it. But now, uh, that said, some people didn't uh, finish. Right. The next night. The next, the, the following night, the ascent, we lost somebody. Yeah, he didn't. You know, we we had to go back down the mountain. And and why? Well, we noticed it was the the guy from Dallas. Great guy. He was a pretty strong fella too. He played college football and did some um, uh, mixed martial arts uh, in his spare time. But I noticed when we were at the camps every night, he'd get a little bit of a cough um, that he didn't have on the, on the trails and on the hikes. But the final night. The final hike, the ascent, we did at night because apparently on the summit in the afternoon, kind of like here, the weather can be a lot more drastic than sure, morning. Of course. So uh, Thursday night, we went to bed at seven o'clock p.m. They woke us up at eleven p.m. We started our ascent to the top at at uh, midnight, um, and we're and it's the same kind of it's, it's just boulders and rocks, um, but a little more trail involved. But um, we got about two hours into it. It's an eight and a half hour ascent um, at night. Um, we got there at eight thirty in the morning. About two and a half hours into it, the guy from Texas um, started having that had been coughing a little bit. Developed a whooping cough. I mean, he just could not stop coughing. Not, and I, and I mean, it was deep. It was. It was. It sounded like his lungs were being shredded. And they, um, the guys were like, "We're sorry, we got to bring you down." So, I mean, a lot of people. It says forty percent of the people that take on the mountain don't 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 yeah. make it up. But I feel so bad for him because he made it through four days of mud and pouring rain and all that stuff just to get stopped the night of the ascent. You know? But to your point, you know, it, it, it is equally – you can be the best athlete in the world mm -hmm. and not be able to achieve it, uh, you know, under the right circumstances. Because So it, it, it really is something yeah. that I've seen – you know, altitude sickness, and it affects different people different sure. ways, yeah. you know. Um, so that's obviously a sobering mm -hmm. moment yep. when the group says, Hey, we're now splitting up and not all, not everybody's going to make the, the ascent. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of, one of the guys took him back down to the camp that we were going to go to after we hit the, the top so, mm -hmm. or uh, the base camp. Um, and, um, um, but yeah, it was kind of eye opening. We, we had lost somebody and we're like, okay, well, this is, uh, we got to be a little more careful now. You know, mm -hmm. we slowed our pace even more then. Okay. And, um, and so we, for the first about six and a half hours, it was the same kind of terrain in the dark. And then about the time the sun broke over the mountain, which my God was one of the prettiest sights you'll ever imagine. Um, we were in the snow, um, and thick, thick snow and, um, walking up that. And, um, and you mentioned that it doesn't matter how good of a shape you're in. The most athletic of all of us was Osama, my tent mate. He runs the marathons around the world. We saw the sign in the distance and uh, probably about 10 minute walk, right? In the snow at a snail's pace. 
And he kind of left the group, started speeding up. And I followed him at first. And then the guide was like, y'all slow down, y'all slow down. And I listened to him, thankfully. And he was like, I can't go any more slow. I'm tired of walking slow. We've been walking slow for eight hours. So he gets to the top ahead of us. And uh, we get there and he's laying in the snow. And I think he's doing snow angels, right? Or whatever. Um, and we get there and he tells the guys that he's going to take a nap and they freak out. They're like, no, 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 do not close your eyes. Do not close your eyes. They hoisted him over their shoulders like this and walked him down the mountain and put an oxygen mask on him right away. So okay. he was, so he had, he had a spot. Yeah. He had exhausted. He, he, he had, he got altitude sickness because he moved too fast of that last 10 minute stretch of walk. Wow. Yeah. So you get there, mm -hmm. you now have two people in the group who have, in effect, even though he may fallen, you know, a prey to altitude sickness and, and all of the hazards that go along with it, you're now standing there. Mm -hmm. You know, the culmination of six months of preparation and, and nearly six days of walking, you're at this sign. Mm -hmm. um, what is that like and how long does that moment last? It is congested. Like, there's, there's other, there's all sorts of other groups. Up there. There's five, there's five, um, uh, paths you can take to the peak. Uh, we took, you know, like I said, uh, the, the most difficult one. And, um, but they all, that final ascent, they all come together for that last trail. And so there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. Wow. Um, and not all of them went to the top top. There's kind of like a in between where there's a sign as well, but the, the, the peak, the, the 19,300 feet is, is a little bit further, about 10 minutes further. So it was just, it was very exhilarating. But anyway, there was a, a crowd of people by the sign taking pictures, right? Sure. And it was almost like. And you want your moment by yourself. That's right. Course. It was yeah. almost like elbowing people out of the way and like, like jumping in when you can. And, and so I, I let them have that. And I just kind of took a look at the surroundings and I broke down. I started crying. Sure. Um, it was, uh, I let go of a lot. I, it was looking at this, there were like boulders on top of the mountain. Um, and I was just, I, I, I swear I saw my dad looking at me up there. Yeah. And, um, but that was just take, taking it all in until they called my name. Like, hey, we're taking a big group photo, you know what I mean? And uh, so I took a group photo. Um, and then I wanted to take a solo photo. And there was everybody waiting. And like, my guy was like about to, like, <laughs> I thought he was about to fight a guy with another group. He was like, you know, it was just, it was because, People were waiting so long and then I wanted sure. to take a personal photo. Um, so that was really, there was about 10 minutes of chaos at the top, to be honest with you. But yeah. like, you just leave that little puddle of people there right, right around the sign and, and you, could, you could have as much time to yourself as you needed. So it was just, it was awesome. You know, sometimes I found that when I get there, wherever there is, mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's not as important to capture that moment as I thought it was going to be, yeah. you know, it's more about the, uh, it sounds cheesy and metaphorical, but it's more about the journey mm -hmm. than it is uh, exactly. the getting there, yeah. you know, and when you get there, it's like, okay, cool. But you know, you had so many amazing experiences along the way mm -hmm. that they in some ways um, are larger than the experience at the end. That's, that's the best way to put it. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. It's like, yeah, I loved that I did that. But do I feel like, do I have my hands in there like Rocky? Like, I, 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 I achieved, yes, I, I have the realization of what I accomplished, but it's not like it's, um, uh, I, for lack of a better way of putting it, I don't feel like I'm just like completely energized by reaching the top. What excites me is the things, the challenges, 
that I went through on the way up there, the build up emotions that I let go of mm -hmm. and the um, realization and the clarity that I gained from that about my future. And, 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 you know, so yeah, it was great reaching the top. I got a, I got a frame picture. I'm never going to forget sure. it, but yeah, it was um, the reason I'm even sitting here with you today and telling this story is because I, of what I went through and what I've learned. And I feel like, you know, like you said, you're from the South. You kind of, you don't sure. really, you don't, you, you hold on to your man card. You don't really show up on <laughs> emotion. But. I think the older you get though, it's like, and I think your peers also know, you know? And so I think that, yeah, there may be some 25 year old young buck, you know, who, who is still holding on to that, you know, but I think by the time you reach our age, you know, we, we all know what yeah. the deal is and we know that, uh, Hey, this, this is, this is not for wussies, you know, life is, it's the real deal, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so on the plane ride home, mm -hmm. you take pen to paper, at least in the virtual sense, you, you jump on your computer and you write down, um, pages of thoughts. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what was going through your mind now that you've successfully achieved this goal you know what what was on your mind on the plane well we kind of were left with an assignment from our mountain marathons group like we all talked and before we got on the plane we all had another final round table and we all gave uh, we all wrote letters to each other about um, it was really just just words of, of acknowledgement and, and, and and showing respect to each other and letters of appreciation that we read out loud. But then they told us, they were like, okay, on the ride home, once you get back to, you know, the States um, and, and you're back in the real world, quote unquote, um, you know, you're also going to have new reflections. And, and so I, I read about a four or five page um, essay, whatever you want to call it, about my experience. Um, and it was just half of it was about the climb itself and half of it was about the like personal uh, mountains that I climbed. You know, and um, so I wrote that out and I wasn't going to share it like this. Um, it was just to get it out and leave it out. Sure. You know what I mean? It's on, it's out, it's on paper and you uh, 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 moved on past it. So you've been home a month. Mm, yeah. Um, got home February give, 1st. Yep. Give or take. Well, almost yeah, a month. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, you know, and I recognize that this is the type of life event that you'll be looking back on and, and having different reflections on for, for decades. But what sort of advice would you give someone who is struggling, who's going through horrific circumstances, whether it's health or relationships or business or financial, um, you know, as someone who had a rough year, uh, what would you share with them that you've learned from this yeah. process. And that's all I can really share is what I experienced and what helped me, you know, but um, to me, I found it very valuable to find a, a group of strangers to talk to who were also looking and searching for something that was missing in their lives. I had friends I could call. Um, I had family members I could, I could call and I did a little bit, but it was also like, I felt at my lowest point, I felt like maybe they might be in close to me um, and knowing that I'll be their friend no matter what, they might judge me a little bit um, and that they, um, I didn't want to put that burden on them. Sure. Um, 
And so I thought it was very good to have a group of people with the same goal in mind, the same, the same achievement in mind, and possibly similar problems to, 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 to share with. And, it, and again, I didn't share with the entire group. I shared with the leaders sure. um, and uh, the two leaders. And they, um, they gave me great advice. I mean, they, incredible advice. Um, and different things every week to work through it, you know. Um, but that kind of kept me going. But I, I think maybe there's there's people like you said, like technology out there, everything that we're going through. People complaining about politics. There's there's stressors in life, and and everyone, especially when you get older, you understand the um, the, the the pain that the the, the the hardships of life, you know. Sure. And sometimes you got to talk to somebody. You got to find somebody. That's a fact to talk to, whether it be a therapist. If you have somebody close enough to you that you can open up to completely and not hold anything back, that's that's even better. But if not, find people. Find people like I do. Also, I had. It was like I said. It was an impulse buy when I went on this trip. But looking back, I tested myself emotionally, mentally, and physically. Like I can't say I've ever been tested before. Mm-hmm. And looking back now at this, I'm like, wow, I'm not going to say that my problems, oh, they weren't, you know, that they, they weren't that bad. They were the issues that I had in 2019. But I mean, if I can, if I can spontaneously take a trip to Africa, not knowing anybody out there, climb the third highest climbable mountain in the world, um, then I can get through a lot more than I thought I could get through. Yeah. It, it puts things in perspective. For sure. You know, Challenge yourself is what I'm saying. Just find a way to challenge. I've I, I found that, that really the spontaneity of your decision I think is important because we, if you leave it up to us to make sound decisions, mm-hmm. uh, we will debate things in our mind. Yep. We will say, oh, well, I'll do it after this or I'll, oh, I don't have the finances right now or oh, well, this if this wasn't going on in my life, if I didn't have to take care of this, you know, there's an endless number of excuses that we all concoct. Mm -hmm. And in some cases they're very real. So it's not, not concocted, but we all, I think, find ourselves um, delaying life Mm -hmm. because it's, it's, you know, you talk about having children, you know, people say, well, you talk to any parent, there's never a good time to have a kid. I mean, you know, it's like your your finances are never going to be all there. Your relationship's never going to be all tight. All of these things are never going to line up and you're going to go, Oh, today's the day we need to have a kid. That's not the way it works. You just do it it. and life moves on. You're home now. Mm -hmm. You've had enough time to at least uh, uh, decompress and reacclimatize. And, other people have contacted you, I'm sure, you know, about this oh, friends. Sure. So what are people, do they think you're crazy? Do they think, are they, are they, are they saying, dude, that's so inspirational? What, what are you hearing from friends and family? Well, uh, I've heard a lot of people that never thought that didn't see this in me. They were like, you know, I didn't, I did not see you to be the Mount Kilimanjaro climbing guy. You know, I showed a couple pictures on Facebook. I just, uh, last week I showed uh, a lot, but, um, yeah, my Facebook friends really chimed in and thought it was awesome and things like that. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to 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 
talk to you um, and all the followers that you have is because uh, my local paper where I grew up uh, picked up the story because I you know, followed them on Facebook or whatever and they followed me back and um, kind of went through the same things I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going through with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had friends from the past, uh, friends that I still keep up with, you know, contacting me saying, hey, man, that's a, I know that must have been hard to share. That's awesome. Um, you know, really, really deep compliments that meant a lot to me. But the main reason that I'm talking to you is because I had a couple responses that I didn't expect. I had a, it really, I had a guy that uh, um, went to Little League with, uh, played Little League baseball with, and, you know, really lost touch with Facebook friends, but that's it. Sure. You know, he sent me a message saying, hey, man, I need to talk. I'm an alcoholic and I lost my family. And uh, wow. and that was just one of about two or three. That was the most the most drastic. But, um, you know, I still haven't heard from that guy. I'm, I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear from him. But, you know, the, the, there was, like I said, there were two or three of those. So, it, I don't know. My story made kind of a difference. You know, it matters. Yeah, it matters. Look, it matters. I'm telling you, and and that's why we we want to do this Beach Happy podcast. I mean, and and by the way, we're going to put a um, a phone number up on the screen. And if you're experiencing uh, depression or uh, suicidal thoughts, um, we're going to put the National Suicide Hotline up because this is natural, guys. I mean, this is you know the ebb and flow. Life is a roller coaster. It is not a merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. You know, merry-go-rounds just go around and around and around, steady, even keel. Um, roller coasters are nauseating, you know, and and they're fun, um, but they're also nauseating, mm-hmm. you know. And the ups and downs are what we all signed up for, whether we know it or not. And uh, whether right. you're climbing a mountain or uh, descending into a valley, um, that's life. And mm-hmm. I think that the more people talk about how to navigate. And how to get through that nauseating sometimes ride, it also exhilarating. I think that's the most important thing we can all share. And, and uh, uh, Daniel, thank you for sharing your story. Um, thank you for having the courage to kind of share with others um, yeah. the feelings of self doubt and the feelings of uh, emotion that you can only experience through loss. But then I, I wanna also applaud you for doing something extraordinary and doing something different because the reality is it is inspirational. It's inspirational to me, it's inspirational to your childhood friends, it's inspirational to 30A fans. It shows us that, you know, there is another way to mm-hmm. deal with loss, you know, and that is I can go out and achieve something. I can go out and 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 remind the world that I'm a I'm a force. That's right. Uh, of, of, uh, a force of nature, you know. Yeah, well, I, I, I really appreciate that, and um, you know, I, I, I just want to make sure it's clear. I'm, I'm not looking for like sympathy. I'm not looking for any uh, special treatment or anybody to look at me a different way than they did before. I just um, the climb itself was a uh, you know once in a lifetime uh, event in in my life, but even more importantly sharing this kind of stuff um i know that it's helped somebody already Mm -hmm. or a couple people already and uh something just told me to let down my tough guy wall and Mm -hmm. and 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 if it can help one person i did the right thing well 
uh, spoken like a true tough guy who climbs the third <laughs> highest peak in the world. So <laughs> thanks, you. Dan. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate really it, appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. Uh, so, guys, um, we're going to have more Beach Happy podcasts and uh, video casts on the way. Um, if you like the behind-the-scenes stuff as well, we're going to be sharing some stuff behind the scenes, including some photos uh, from Daniel's trip. We're going to superimpose that in the video interview, but also we're going to share it exclusively with our supporters. Um, so if you want to become a, uh, 38 insider, we can, uh, you can go to 38 supporters.com and for four ninety five a month, you can get all sorts of additional content beyond just what you're seeing on the main 38 page. So, uh, thanks again to Daniel for coming in. Thanks to you guys for listening and watching. And, uh, um, I hope if you have, um, anything uh, inspiring in your life or anything that kind of you think might. Um, benefit other 38 fans that you'll reach out to us and let us know because we'd love to share it here on the beach happy show and uh and ultimately that's what it's all about is is happiness i believe is the goal of life and if you're not happy you're not going to be in a position to do charity you're not going to be in the right attitude to help others ultimately if you're not happy you're not doing anybody any good so focus on yourself Focus on uh, making sure that you're mentally and physically healthy and happy. And after that, all sorts of good things come. So that's a process. It's not something you can just decide. It's something you have to, 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 to work at every day. And I can tell you, and I'm sure Daniel would echo this, um, I have to work at it every day. I'm not a happy person by nature. Um, I have to fake happiness uh, a lot of times. And that said, um, when you do that, it becomes happy and it becomes real. And I think that... Uh, um, the more all of us can be open and honest about that, um, ultimately we're going to help each other um, live healthier, happier lives. So anyway, thanks again, Daniel. Hey, all right. Thank you, Mike. All right, thank Appreciate you. It. Find the 30A Show on your favorite streaming apps or inside our 30A apps for iPhone and Android. Thanks for listening to the 30A Show, brought to you locally by Shunk Gully Oyster Bar. Until next time, be happy.